But I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. My name's Cody Ryan. I'm here with my always co-host, Bobby. How you doing tonight, Bobby? I'm doing pretty well. Work's kind of boring and slow and sucks to have to go every day, but besides that, which is just normal, I'm uh, pretty much the same. What about you? Uh, exact opposite. Work's very stressful. <laughs> this was one of the worst days of work I've ever had, but it was just like kind of one of those days... Uh, you know, where the perfect storm of things happen, and, you know, just from the minute I get in to the minute leave, it was just, like, complete panic. So, um, you know, I, I had this moment of reflection as I, you know, even left that work um, today. It was kind of like, you know, like, this fucking sucks. It's only Thursday. It should be Friday. I don't want to go in tomorrow and yeah. stuff. Me and my cousins, uh, in our group text, we have this thing where someone will just send the emoji where it's the guy yelling, and... <laughs> At that point, it's understood that what that means is I can't do this for the rest of my life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it'll it come in at like 9.30 on a Monday sometimes. It's just like, God. fuck, we have the entire rest of the week. Yeah. Well, that was, that's funny because I was actually talking to a coworker today and um, they were like, hey, like um, the work from home days, like we, like our company, like actually gives us like pretty generous work from home days and some coworkers were arguing. Right, bootlicker. Yeah, well. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a European country, so at least give me some or that or European owned company. Sorry, so at least give me some credit there. Okay. Um, uh-huh. It is that one. I can't legally. Say. <laughs> we won't say the name of the <laughs> can't country. Can't legally say what that is. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, they're they're pretty generous at the one place that I work, and I'm not gonna reveal that for obvious reasons. But they work from home policies. But just two of them were joking that they both picked Friday because this other guy was talking about he's going to work from home every Monday. And I was just like, they were like, well, we should all pick a day. We both can't be Friday, even though they definitely can. And they were just fucking with each other. Like, okay, let's all pick a day. And I'm like, I only left a fucking Tuesday. I don't want fucking Tuesday. And everybody's like, why do you hate Tuesday so bad? And I'm like, it's the worst day of the week to me. And everybody's like, no, it's Monday. I'm like, it's no lasagna. <laughs> yeah. No, but the thing from Monday... I feel like such a fat orange cat on Tuesdays. I just, like, sometimes feel fully furnished, and, you know, Tuesdays, I don't feel fully furnished. You know (laughs) what I mean, man? Emotionally? (laughs) Yeah, emotionally. (laughs) But, like, somebody was like, no, it's Mondays, and I'm like, the thing about Mondays are, is, like, Sunday night, I get the scaries, but then, like, I go on Monday, and I'm like, once I get settled, I'm like, "I, I can do this. I've done this before, and it's not as bad as I thought. And then Tuesday, I'm like, I gotta do this four more fucking times. And that's when I, like, start to lose my mind and realize that Tuesday is just a black hole of life. Yeah, I I work from (laughs) home every Monday right now. Um, So it, like, does wonders for the week. Because, like, basically we have an agreement where whoever's working from home just chills and only does anything if they're, like, absolutely needed. And so I have that easy day Monday and then the rest of the week, it's only four days. 
it still sucks ass, obviously, because work always sucks. But yeah, and like if you could just name bad. your employer and your manager, and like maybe give me a phone number, I can call about that. Uh, off pod. But if anyone wants the information, DM Neurotica, <laughs> and I'll tell you where I work for some reason. <laughs> I was having a weird thought. Either I forget if it was today or yesterday, but I was thinking about um dying. Great. I was well. I was thinking about usually like, that's my shtick, but okay. I know. Well, I wasn't like thinking about like fantasizing about dying or anything like that. Just... For some reason, I was thinking about like learning the concept of death, and then I was thinking like, it just as happens sometimes with me, I'm just like, oh man, I, I I'm gonna have to like live like all these stages of a life. Like I'm still not married like living in the city having barely any responsibilities outside of work and then i'm gonna have to move into the like married and having kids thing and then kids in school and then like paying for college and then empty nester and then like retirement well i'm not gonna retire obviously because i'm a millennial but i was basically like thinking of not just morality in general like not just like not just like the way that i do a lot of times at the beginning of a work week where I'm like, I have to do this work day basically, you know, thousands and thousands of times until I die. But I was thinking of more of like the stages of life and like getting kind of like scared or like overwhelmed by how many different like people I'm going to become, basically. That's deeper than what i was thinking today but that's pretty cool what were you thinking i was thinking yeah that all sucks but i get to hang out with my buddy bobby and share a peppo you got a diet peppo over there it's true trying to watch my figure by drinking diet soda and not changing anything else about my lifestyle (laughs) yeah i i think there's some beauty in that but we we were like wondering like what we talk about today and we were just kind of like throwing back and forth just like you know what are some current events and you know for us, we, we want like usually like to kind of start off with like stories of mental health and have guests come on. But today's episode, we, we were a little bit more like, hey, what what's kind of like relevant out there like that kind of still connects to us? Like, what can we look for? And Bobby mentioned a story to me and then we'll get into that story. But the funny thing is, we just talked all this shit on our jobs. Realize today's episode <laughs> is actually about how we're huge cowards and that we lucked out big time. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we played it safe, and yeah. it turns out that we are correct to do so. Yes. <laughs> so all that shit we just talked, that's just as good as it gets, I guess. Uh, no, but I mean, so Bobby, I'm going to turn it over to you to basically explain, like, you found this article. I mean, it's not necessarily an article, it's news. Everybody knows this. And your reaction to it and kind of what that meant to you. And then I'll kind of, you know, do my part. All right. So the thing that was the catalyst for what we're going to talk to is the fact that today um, Sports Illustrated was recently bought by a media group called The Maven. And today it was announced that they're going to be laying off half of the Sports Illustrated's uh, writing staff. And that's not like if if you like basketball, that's people that you've heard of. It's Andrew Sharp. who used to write for Grantland and hosts one of the you know, a, a pretty well-known and well-liked basketball uh, NBA podcast uh, called Open Floor. Um, it's Jake Fisher, who I think 
used to write for Liberty Ballers before yeah. I started writing for Sports Illustrated. He, he was like one of those people who like every once in a while had like scoops that just nobody else had to and stuff. Yeah. Like well connected guy, like very like in the weeds. I was a good big fan of his. He was similar to Mike Bauman when he used to write for like The Good Fight where yeah. you were like this we you know that this is like a a stop on the way to being like a legit yeah, sure. guy with him. So it's like it's really good writers and that happens that's happening more and more. Um it's kinda tough to make money on advertising with websites in general, uh, because so many people use ad blockers and stuff like that, and that has been part of the reason behind the pivot to video, not just because websites think that they'll get more engagement but because it basically means they can fire writers push the other writers to make a lot more because they know that their heads are on the chopping block if they don't and they can get as many or fewer views but like it make it more efficient and it even yeah, out so they more make a little more money yeah yeah like i mean just in logical sense like a banner ad like my eyes are trained to skip every banner ad now like that's just the thing yeah. but i when the video forces me to watch like yeah i might glaze off a little bit but i know exactly what the fuck i'm watching a video for like yeah i mean those advertising companies probably know more about the human psyche and human the way humans think than anyone else because it's their job to like Make sure that even if you're not paying attention to it, it lodges in your brain a little bit. But this this pattern of things like what happened at Sports Illustrated and my understanding is that what they're going to be doing is replacing a lot of the writers who they laid off with contractors, which is true not only in writing, but basically in the entire economy since the recession. Everything's being replaced. Uh, Full-time jobs are being replaced by contractors and gig workers, things like that. But this is a pattern, um, I think, in sports writing, basically since Gawker, since these big companies or these powerful people realize that they can neuter the news by buying up well-respected companies and just, like, slowly degrading them until they're just kind of like anything else. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why people liked Gawker so much, and that was why the Gawker getting shut down was such a big deal. Yeah, that's, and that's why Deadspin doing similar things right now is such a big deal. Because Yeah, and that's why paywalls are coming up because people are like, we're going to do it more, but if you want that quality, like you got to pay the, you know, the premium. It's like we can't even get, and I'm not picking on any sites right now, but I'm just saying like paywalls are more a big of a deal and you're seeing that cross. So we have a siren in the background. <laughs> Um, seeing that more across just even like streaming services and stuff like you know we talk about Netflix was like the monopoly that was like, like streaming is kind of the opposite whereas like Netflix was the monopoly and everybody was like oh shit why do we keep giving our stuff to Netflix we have assets now that we can like kind of take our shit back and now we're gonna have too many options we're gonna have to pay for too many shits we're gonna have to buy Disney and FXX and everything just to watch our shows where a lot of these websites, they're like, let's just take everybody's, like, go-to place and just make it, like, just as cookie-cutter as possible. And you go to, um, you know, certain sites that just, like, hire nothing but just, like, up-and-coming writers. You realize, like, when I was, you know, not to pick on anybody who writes for Liberty Ballers now, I have friends there that are really good, but, like, I 
when I first got into it, it was a lot of the Bodners and the Fishers and, um, you know, like Seamus, you know, they were all writing for it. Right. And then now I go on and like, there's a lot more like guest posts and stuff like that. And that's great. Yeah, Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah. Like, and I, I love that kind of stuff sometimes, but it's like, they're running those people more into, we really rather you just write a game recap than like deep dive into something like i i know i've heard it from those people who are in it like sometimes they're pushed like to instead of doing the article they want to do they're pushed to do the article that is just quick information to get to the people it's not their fault it's just the way that it transforms bill simmons was actually talking about that on his most recent uh podcast episode with chuck Klosterman. but i think what you're seeing right now with writing online is actually similar in a lot of ways to the streaming wars where when it started you know netflix changed the whole game with their original programming house of cards orange is the new black things like that yeah and then hulu and amazon tried to get in on it and the way that they were doing it was by making their own original content yeah their um marvelous mrs mazel uh fleabag yeah and then on hulu um you know the Handmaid's Tale, whatever the fuck else is only on Hulu. They, they've actually had some good programming. I, I'm blanking too. I know they but. do, but I'm just blanking. But but what seems to be happening now is that rather than compete by trying to make that like really good art, that really good original content, what they're doing is they're just trying to get the rights to The Office. Yeah. Or like get the rights to Seinfeld or Friends, get the rights to something that they know is going to reliably bring people in. Because it is a lot easier and less risky to just get an old reliable than it is to try yeah. to make art and make it really good. Yeah, and because Netflix can do both, but Netflix is also churning out shit that, like, I mean, they gave Adam Sandler all the money he right. wanted to just make any movie. I think they learned their lesson with Marco Polo, which yeah. was, like... A, um, a show that they poured like tons and tons of money yeah. into i think inspired by game of thrones and that basically no one watched i think they saw yeah. that and they were like yeah you okay. said that and i had to think for a second yeah i was like i think that, I, know that I mean <laughs> that was like six five or six years ago at least but i think they did that and they were like okay if we take a big swing and a miss that is a lot of fucking money so instead what we're gonna do with our original series is House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, these are not expensive shows to make, I wouldn't think, outside of when the actors get big. And, you know, the little... They've been going after the rom-com market with uh, Set It Up, uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before, things like that. Um, But then also, you know, spending tons of money on The Office to keep it for two more years because they know that'll keep people coming in regardless. And I think that online writing sports writing culture writing things like that i think they're going in a similar direction where rather than try to make a new site where all of the writing is really good and it brings people in because the these writers that they get even if you don't know them are really good and they're churning out good stuff instead of doing that i think a a lot of media companies are they'll buy up um deadspin and they'll rely on the the Deadspin name and people's habit of going to Deadspin yeah. to keep them coming there and keep money coming in. Meanwhile, they cut out writers who are going to write about political stuff, even if that is what brings the the readers in, because they cost more money and they cause more trouble. Yeah, and I, I want to 
make very clear that we're not saying that any of the sites that we mentioned that we don't have people that we're huge fans of that write for those sites and that like like i don't maybe bobby doesn't but like i i know people who write for like some of the sites we mentioned like deadspin like i'm a fan of that person or liberty ballers like i brought up earlier it's just but we're talking about a trend that is just more more digital faster and a little bit more neutered and bobby i'll I, you know like to tie it all home like the basically the the point you're getting at is that you know this is kind of killing the industry as it is and what does that mean to you well what it means to me is that i'm glad that i was too much of a coward to you know really put all my eggs into the writing basket and really pursue it and you know we talked about this at the live show like if you stand-up comedians or whatever whatever will say if you have a safety net like you're not going to make it because you're not going to put everything you have into it but I'm glad that I had the safety net and I didn't put anything I had into it because now I have a stable career at a good company as I watched this field that I wanted to get into get, you know, carved up and watered down by these companies that don't care about the the quality of the content. They care about the clicks and the ad dollars. Yeah. And I think that's actually a, a pretty good uh, segue to kind of my side of this all, you know, I talked about I had a, a really crappy day today with work and, you know, everybody felt it. I had a coworker, we, both of us were just joking, like, who's going to cry first today? Like, that was it. And she just felt really bad when she left. I felt really bad when I left. And I was just like, I was just, I literally was just trying to be like, hey, it's going to be all right to the, this girl. And knowing that, like, she was going to go home to her boyfriend and probably just start crying. And like, it, even her, she would say probably it's not that bad. Like, it's not that big a deal. It's just one of those days you just have yeah. and like, it's just because it was stressful from start to finish. Yeah, when you're in it, like, the fact that it's a lot better than not having it isn't occurring to you because you're being crushed by the stress and the worry. Yeah, so a lot of stress today for me, I, like, and I was already a little stressed out because I been trying to ration my clonopin because I did a little miscalculation and I need to um, have a few days where I have less than my usual dosage, which is fine because a lot of times at night I am fine or the weekends when I'm like just chilling and stuff. Um, but until my next psych appointment that I can get a refill. So like I have to kind of ration. Tonight I could not ration. I had to take the pill. Like that's the thing. But the thing for me is I always you know, dreamed and wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And I was even talking to my psych today about, or on Monday about this. And, you know, he was like, well, you know, why didn't you go into it? And it's like, I grew up so poor. And I know that's something that's been talked about on the podcast before, and I'm not saying it to brag or, you know, ask for sympathy, but I I grew up so poor that when I was like doing well in school, because it, it kind of came naturally to me. Sorry to you um, nerds who have to study. I just like am naturally smart. Like I'll just see an equation on a board, and it'll be like like half finished, and I'll just finish it. Yeah, and then someone will be like, "Get back to work." You have a stupid part in the middle of your hair. Yeah, and you'll be like, "Fuck you." And then I'll say apples, and I'll throw them at him. Yeah. Um, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> not that you, long you really. like apples <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> short movie every clip yeah. you've seen that's just the whole movie i saw a guy in in harvard and i said how do you like apples and he was like yes and i just started fucking throwing apples yeah. at him. he was like fuck I, I like to eat them not when i get hit by them 
And he's like, well, you didn't clarify that, bitch. Yeah. Very weird movie. Don't don't see that one. Um, but no, I was just like, you know, thinking, you know, I do well in school. So, you know, just the path for me in my head always was just, I can glide through high school. I can glide through college because I'm naturally intelligent. High school learned that wasn't true. I was not that naturally intelligent. I actually decided to start trying. But it was more of just this thing, you know, they say stand-up comedy, if you can do anything else, do it. But I, in my head, thought, okay, I can have this and, ha- you know, eat my cake too. Stand-up will naturally come in college. Is that what like, the phrase is? Yeah. I can have this and eat my cake too? Yeah, well, fuck off. Marie Antoinette, man. Yeah. It really geez. loses some of its luster when you translate Dude, I told, from the original French. I told you, I told Bobby when he came over, I was like, you might have to carry this up today. My brain broke. So, you, you can't get me on that one. I just uh, did, bitch. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Just go back into my story and just accept defeat mostly. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Um, um, you were saying that you would... Oh, stand up. I can have my cake and eat it too. Like, I can yeah. do stand up and also have the job. Yeah, I just thought, like, you I can know, be the exception to that rule that stand ups talk about. Yeah, but, like, I, you know, admired, like, Donald Glover, who went to college, but, like, he found a guy, couple of guys that, you know, he could make videos with, and he happened to be the one to shine through, and then he got signed. You do 30 Rock. So, in my head, you know, I picked a, a role model that was probably too ambitious. Yeah, and at the time, you also don't know that NYU is, you know, if you go to NYU, yeah. you have the hugest leg up on anyone else. And basically, any other school aside from Harvard in the country as far as getting into oh, comedy. No, I already knew that because I had a friend who went to NYU. I just didn't do the research to even know that Donald Glover was at NYU. I, <laughs> I had a role model that I didn't even do any research on. I was just like, oh, this guy's really talented. I'm going to be him. Fair I enough. never believed I could. Eh, you know, I'll admit it. For a second, I thought I could rap. But it was Everyone a Everyone thought they could rap for a second. Yeah, everybody. And sometimes I still do. But then it, it comes back around and I go, nope, this was not a good idea. Um, but anyway, like I thought, you know, I'll start doing this in college. And I I started kind of a Tumblr blog that I thought was going to give me the confidence. And I, I've talked about this enough. I, I pussyfooted around and I took the, the safe corporate job out of school. And I'm still in a, a you know, kind of safe corporate job. For me, it's different now because stand-up is not necessarily going away. It's actually, you know, getting big. I can get a Netflix deal or whatever. I don't like the industry anymore. And the nail in the coffin for me was definitely Dave Chappelle's new special. I didn't watch it, so people will jump down my throat. But I, I read some of the transcripts of the jokes. And it's just like, it's 2019. Louis C.K. was my favorite comedian of all time. I don't want to fucking hear about Louis C.K. in 2019. Not that he even did stand up. I don't want to hear about him in anybody else's stand up. There's nothing funny about the situation to me anymore. We don't need to do that. Leave it the fuck alone. And then he went into other stuff like that. And basically the article I read said, it sounded like a man throwing a temper tantrum. And what really disappointed me in all of that is I know Dave Chappelle is still the smartest man in comedy. I still actually believe that Dave Chappelle is the funniest comedian I've ever seen in my lifetime. It was upsetting to me because it was like, he could have done any other set and kill it. But he came out with this one because he wanted this message. And now I hit my crossroad of like, when my heroes say, you know, like Louis easy to break. Like Louis had a weird sexual past. It's just like, dude, that's, you cross so many lines 
you're a criminal, like, how many people fucking at their jobs could just, like, go masturbate in front of somebody, like, I don't care if you had consent, like, if you at your job today, Bobby, said to somebody, like, hey, do you want to watch me masturbate in the closet, and then you masturbate in the closet in front of them, and that person walked out, don't you feel like they could still probably go to HR and be like, hey, I said yes, but, um... My manager just made me watch it masturbate a closet. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, part of that is not just the public's or the whatever the thing of jerking off in front of women. It's the the power trip of them not being able to do anything about it. Yeah, and like it was funny because I was talking about my psych today or on Monday that I wanted to be a stand comedian. He goes, "Well, you know, why don't you like the industry anymore?" And I was like, "You know," and I mentioned Louis C.K. My son is 89 years old. He's most certainly not woke. It's just very obvious. I don't think I would hang out with the guy in any other capacity. He's got some, like, really funny stories sometimes, but he's obviously going to be the kind of guy who's like, what is just just separate, you know, the artist from the... And um, he tried to make a point to me by, like, pointing out, you know, my copay I paid in cash that, you know, Andrew Jackson was on the $20 bill. And he's like, you know what he did, you know what Andrew Jackson hated? And I was like, what? He said Native Americans. And he would just like, just kill them for fun. Yeah. And he's like, yet use their legal tender. And he's like, and yet you live in a society. That is the worst point I've ever Yeah. And then all I could think was in the back of my head, the first thing I thought of was, I was like, fuck it. Put anybody else on that dollar that I don't care. Like, I hate when people try to use those straw man arguments because I'm like, you just assume that I care about the president on the dollar. Like, I'm pissed off that I have to hold this $20 bill that has him on it. I'm not giving it away because I understand logically I need to fucking eat and shit. Like, Do you think on. there's anyone that's so woke that they, like, <laughs> won't, they won't take an Andrew Jackson? Like, yeah. Like, I need to. I need to Hamilton. They're just too Bitcoin. It's like, they're just like, if you don't set Bitcoin, I don't transact with you. Like, I, just yell at a cashier like, for giving you a $20 bill because of Andrew like, Jackson. Like, and I love how everybody's like... That's like a Shanley thing. People think that, like, or I'll, you... No, I'll bet um, Lauren Chief Elk or whatever would do Yeah. That. People think you going in a store and buying something is capitalism. And it's like, that's not really... it. Like, in any society, you could go into a store and buy something. They had stores in Soviet <laughs> Russia. Yeah, like... Everybody thinks that's, like... So, I, I just... I, I glaze over that. The man's old fucking for it whatever i need him for these pills um i do have a, a question about you know the separate the art from the artist thing though that i've been thinking about uh for the last couple of months a little bit do you think that the reason that we have so much trouble doing it is because we are you know left of center like and have been for a while probably a lot more left now than we were before sure but because of the art that we consume for the most part is made by other people that are left of center. We're yeah. used to them sharing those views and people that are conservative have less of a problem separating the art from the artist. I mean, like they'll still get pissed about Colin Kaepernick and like the Dixie chicks yeah, um, I mean, and stuff they, like that. But do you think that they, they're they have less of an issue with separating that because they just have been doing it their entire lives? Yeah, I mean, I'd certainly say that because I think, um, you know, even just seeing like we we make jokes about boomers, but like even people that we used to like that have now like grown into, you know, what we would call boomers, 
the biggest example being the Joker movie just came out. We still haven't seen it. Me and Bobby, you got a early date for next week uh, yeah. to go see that. <laughs> but the quote from the um, the director Todd Phillips, uh, you know, like you try making a comedy in today's book uh, society, and I quote tweeted, and it was my very first thought quote from man who didn't try like yeah, I, the thing about that not only like is there a lot of shit that's really funny i can't think of all that much from todd phillips movies that wouldn't fly now you know like, what the, the thing where the thing in old school where luke wilson hooks up with the high school girl uh would not fly um well i made the joke to somebody i was like you're telling me you, you couldn't make starsky and hutch today like you're just too challenged by our woke society to that make- was what i said about dewey oh. cox i was like yeah. everything in walk hard would absolutely fly like, yeah it's and like that's my favorite comedy movie of and the last i think 15 years i think that's coming to a point where like people like him are just like can't differentiate the difference between like edgy and just crude anymore now it's like it's like we're very clearly telling you the things that we feel like we don't think are okay. There are things that are just gross. Like, and you can still do those. Adam Sandler is doing fine. Like, Adam Sandler, I think, is writing some of the worst shit I've ever seen ever. But, like, he's only offensive when he asks Rob Schneider to play, like, characters of a different race. Which, again, yeah. I've talked about this on the podcast before. Nobody cared because it was Rob Schneider. Yeah, but just in, like, him saying like try to make a comedy now like stand up is one thing i guess because for whatever reason they have that weird thing in their head where they like they someone told them that the one person that was allowed to speak truth to the king was the jester yeah. and so they need to tell it like it is and it's important that they be able to say whatever they want and it's like just shut the fuck up like you're doing a stand up stand up comedy is like a niche entertainment you're not changing the world like even George Carlin, like, had interesting things to say, but he didn't change the world. Yeah, and I think that was a kind of shift for me, where it's like, I really wanted to be one of those stand-up comedians that transcended and did some of those, like, things that changed the world. But then, now when I look at the stand-up comedians that are my role models, they're not, they're not really, like, staying with stand-up comedy in the way that we used to think of it. Like, John Mulaney is a stand-up comedian... He tried to do a TV show, it failed, but Oh Hello was also successful. But John Mulaney could have stayed in stand-up, but he, he stays with stories, and so does Mike Birbiglia. Those are two of my favorite. Hannibal Burris, sometimes Hannibal Burris, like, toes the line of just being ridiculous, but, like, he tells amazing jokes that are just ridiculous, and he, one of his partners, you know, Eric Andre in the Eric Andre show, that the whole show is just based on chaos, like... People get uncomfortable, but not in the same way that people get uncomfortable when you say, you know, certain slurs that Todd Phillips had in some past movies. Yeah. And the funny thing is, Todd Phillips, the grossest thing in every Todd Phillips movie is his cameo. And he did that on purpose. There is, like, actually, like, I remember watching a commentary about how Todd Phillips always puts himself in a movie, and he constantly dresses up as this one character, whereas an afro... He's the, are you here for the, I'm here for the gangbang. Yeah, he's, I'm here for the gangbang, but his first was time i noticed it was road trip when he tries to lick um i know her name's amy but i can't remember last smart yeah amy smart's feet on the bus while she's sleeping and then there's another one where like they walk into an elevator as like he's making out with somebody but he's like zipping up his pants like i think that's the hangover yeah like he's just always in his films like doing the grossest thing 
And like even those, I'm like it's gross sexually. It's not gross like yeah. in an offensive way. Though. Yeah, but like, even those, I'm just like okay. But still, like you could still probably get those through. What specifically are you saying you can't do? Because I know in your movie, you know, The Hangover, paging doctor, not gonna say it. Like you can't make that joke anymore. Got it? Is that your problem? Because a lot of The Hangover, you can not... do a different version of that joke. What? Yeah, you could just do paging doctor like dumbass. Like you, that's not as funny. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like... gonna try to rewrite the joke, but you can. Yeah, but I'm just saying like. <laughs> The Hangover is a movie. I don't think it holds up, but it's also not like overly problematic. Like no, they're not. <laughs> they're not like taking advantage. Like th- there's a couple things that jump out to me that you wouldn't be able to do anymore. Um, the blackface in Tropic Thunder, which honestly, at the time, I, I was shocked they got away with that. I thought all. that was hilarious, but the fact that it's like clearly satire, you might even still be able to do it depending on who you are. That yeah, like, it's always the, sunny sometimes gets away with it, too. And yeah, like, it, that's that's what makes me yeah. think. The, the scene in The 40-Year-Old Virgin where Romney Malco's like, there's something in the male brain that says, tackle drunk bitches. Like, they're trying yeah, to get yeah. him late. Like, I feel like there's not that much in comedies that you would have to slice out in order for them to, like... And, and they wouldn't, like, make that huge of a difference in order for them to... Yeah. Still, like, hold up. Like, so I feel like him saying that is, I think that and, like, Chappelle doing what he does is they, like, see themselves as always trying to push the line of what's acceptable. And what's happened in the last 15 years or so is that rather than more and more things becoming acceptable, it's kind of constricted a little bit because people have become more conscious of other people's feelings and the trauma affecting groups historically. And so what you can get away with rather than it expanding with time in, in some ways it's constricted with time. And so they're used to punching out and yeah. the, the rubber band getting a little more, you know, That's... elastic and it, when it constricts, they, they feel it and they like feel as though it's an attack on them and, they're met they do yeah Uh, yeah no i i think you're spot on because i mean you think about a lot of the the comedians and people who we're talking about right now we're raised on you know george carlin push the limits here's the seven words you can't say on tv i'm saying those seven words eddie murphy raw like eddie murphy was pushing all the limits and put out what was considered and may still be considered the best comedy album of all time to some people like that was the whole thing, and it's always been that way. You know, even as, like, us, as, you know, saying we're so, like, left, like, we still, you know, push the limits on certain jokes if we talk about, like, 9-11 or something like that. Like, yeah. there's and still places where we push the limits where we might realize, like, someday we can't do that anymore. But, like, there's this, I do get what you're saying, like, there's this constriction, and I was definitely in that camp when I was, you know wanting to do stand-up it was like daniel tosh when he was like what if some guys came in and raped this woman right now wouldn't that be funny i was like that joke is not funny but like at the time i defended him as a stand-up comedian being like yeah you're not supposed to like heckle or say anything like that's my stage like i get to that's the jester thing yeah i need to be able to say whatever i want and you're not allowed to say anything to me because otherwise i can't be the jester telling the truth to the king yeah and then i don't know even when it happened but like 
I just like at some point I was just like, nah, that that's kind of bullshit. And I I think like it's probably when you became aware in this particular instance of the the trauma of rape. Yeah, like it's well, I mean, there's even going back to college where like I, I told this story to you guys a little bit ago. We talked about somebody who used the R word, and I was talking about how like we got in kind of conversation about like um you know I maybe said um the gay s- racial or not racial, gay orientation slur that starts with an F, probably a little bit longer than I'm proud of in college. But my friends talked to me and I said, you know, like, I agree with what you guys are saying. And you know what? I'd never really thought of that before. And like, it was so easy for me to just be like, you know what? I got to watch it. Maybe I'll slip a few times, but I'm going to be better at this. Like, I want to, you know, I want people to feel good from my comedy. Now, I made my friends listen to the Todd Glass episode of WTF with Mark Marin where he came out because wow. because he talked about, you know, the the trauma of growing up hearing the word gay or the F word like to mean bad and yeah. like what that does to a person and I also used that bad F word a lot longer than I should have and that opened my eyes not not only for that word but for you know, a lot of a lot of things that were slurs because they were bad. Yeah, and then you know, I I took that in, and then the reciprocal was all my roommates started saying the n word, and they thought it was cool, and I was like, hey guys, I I don't think that's right, and they were just like, well, we don't say it in front of any black people, and I'm like, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, dude, like just I'm not. Pre- <laughs> I didn't say that f word in front of any you know like people of a you know that orientation but it still wasn't right and you called me out on it so yeah, you just got owned by your own mind. yeah like i i was just like so baffled but i was outnumbered so you know i was just in a house full of white dudes who just thought they could say any word they wanted so that was great yeah except the word you know uh but like you know like they, people love to say the n word they do it's just they you see a certain excitement when you do see someone who says it, and you just cringe. I, I think the have, woman who I used to have that excitement. Like I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> what? So I used to do that and have that excitement. I'm well, not gonna lie. Yeah, white people just love it. I mean, like it's basically anything it's, that I make fun of white people fucking... for. Anything that I make fun of white people for, besides like you know climbing a mountain with no harness or like trying to yeah. fight some sort of animal is I'm making fun of it because I used to do that. And now I see how embarrassing it was. Well, I think that's another thing. I, I know we're getting really off topic right now, but I think that's what people are kind of misconstruing about like cancel culture and stuff like this is like, there are certain things that people are now coming out and saying, look, this affects me. And it's affected a lot of people and I want to stop the pain and people are pushing back because they're saying like, no, this is the way it's always been. They're feeling restricted, but really we're just pushing towards equality. It's just a natural thing. When you have something pushing against you, you push back. That's just like the laws of gravity apply to your logic and brain. But the thing is, there's also um, this thing called puberty where you're going to be the worst little piece of shit version of yourself and you're going to say every bad thing regardless because you're a dumbass. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get into high school and you're going to meet a bunch of other dipshits who kept going with it. And you're going to college and you're going to meet a bunch of other dipshits that kept going with it. And then you all start just weeding yourselves out into groups of people who kind of like get it and don't. We're seeing people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s who are the 
epitome of telling us how rough life is, sticks and stones, you know, and if you just say words back to them like, nah, you're being an asshole and we want to tell you now you're being an asshole, can you stop? This, like, there is, to call somebody a snowflake for getting offended is the funniest thing to me is because like, you're confronting someone. You know what happens to a snowflake when you confront it? It melts. You yeah. poke it and it melts. I mean, I think we've talked before about how hypocritical the snowflake thing is, because obviously they're the first one to get offended by kneeling during a, a bad song before a football game or whatever, yeah. but it, it is funny that you brought up specifically Carlin. Well, I guess I brought up Carlin first. Carlin yeah. and Eddie Murphy, because both of them recently had brushes, at least like online, with cancel culture and like the backlash against apologizing and stuff like that well carlin is dead so i, don't I know but but a clip surfaced of him yeah basically talking about not punching down yeah like yeah. in 1990 and he's he's the first person that like defenders of stand-up should be able to say whatever they want would point to yeah as like a reason why they should be able to say whatever they want and here the patron saying of that is talking about how like talking about like beating up women or something like that is not funny. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy, I saw someone tweet. Um, he apologized for a lot, a lot of the stuff in Raw, and I think that he had in the '90s as well. But someone was like, "Oh, you see what happens with cancel culture and these soft young people. Like even people like Eddie Murphy have to apologize." And it's like, honestly, Eddie Murphy didn't have to apologize. He he would have if he puts out something on netflix like it's gonna get a ton of yeah. views whether he apologized or not so the fact that you're offended by the fact that he is telling you that he feels bad about what he said before yeah. and that he should have said it just like it's it says a lot about you yeah for taking offense at him apologizing eddie murphy experienced growth you did not yeah that's the thing. It's like, that was one of my favorite tweets I have ever read was like, like, that's what you're supposed to do when you get new information is change your opinion. It's yeah. like, actually, that's actually how life's supposed to be. You're supposed to learn something new and then adjust to it. It's yeah. not supposed to be, this get is how it's always been and this is how I'm going to keep it. Like, getting upset about Eddie Murphy, like, apologizing for, like, being insanely homophobic and raw is like being like a creationist it's like oh evolution's a thing <laughs> i don't think so like fuck that yeah. i see all the science but i'm comfortable with it being this way so i'm just gonna keep believing that it's this way yeah and on the flip side if you want to talk about you know an old comedian that pushed the boundaries that everybody still looks up to richard pryor known wife beater like beat the shit out of his wife to the point that she almost died and people are still like, yeah, but it's fucking Richard Pryor, man. Like, I, he's like the my patron saint of comedy. It's like, dude, we knew back then that beating women was not cool. There's nothing defensible about that. Like, it's not the same thing. It's like, if Eddie Murphy is trying to be a successful comedian and tells a joke, and then it's like, years later, he's like, oh, man, you know what? That joke's just not cool anymore. You know, at the time, maybe, but that joke's not cool anymore. Like, if Richard Pryor was alive and started to apologize for beating his wife, I'd still be like, you beat your fucking wife, dude. Like, everybody knows you don't do that. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a difference between applying current morality to the past, which is you can't do, 
But like, regardless, like I'm still gonna say that if you own a slave, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, like there's just like certain the f- lines that I just like the fact that we now view beating up women as worse than they did in the 70s doesn't mean that the impulse of the powerful man beating up the weaker woman is any less cowardly and bad. Yeah. It's I... just that maybe like there's a one layer less of this is socially unacceptable, but the instinct and like the reasons that it's bad were still bad back then. Yeah, like most of the things that any person who listens to podcasts, even if they've disagreed with us to every degree has probably done something in their life that at one point, because of where society was, was considered the worst thing ever. And you know what it is for just even half our population as women? Wear anything revealing. Like, that. And there's parts of that society where that's just them getting killed. Like, for men, like, we get so many more passes, and, yeah, it's catching up to us a little bit, but that, it should. Like, I mean, we got away with things for too long and now men are like we'll just tack on white men it's like we're moving towards equality you feel like you're losing we're just trying to balance can you clarify what you were getting at when you said women wearing stuff that's revealing i'm just saying that like we're talking about like things that um you know we're like talking about things that like we realize applying, now like applying morality from one time to a, yeah to a different like there's time. always gonna be things that just like we grow from like interracial couples were not even legal like as long as people think did you know that muhammad ali said that that should be like punishable <laughs> interracial couples yeah oh, no he said there shouldn't be race mixing that kind of sucks yeah it's a pretty unchill thing of his <laughs> yeah yeah but, uh, again, I don't know if that's a cancelable thing. That's kind of fucked up, but I'd like to think Muhammad Ali changed his views at some point. Like, grew and got the better information. I have no idea. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, he's dead now, so there's his punishment if he didn't change it. I don't know. But what I'm saying is just, like, there's so many people right now that are, like, that were, like, oh, my God, gays getting married is ridiculous now that debate is a lot less hot as it used to be now the hot debate is oh my god we might become you know legal and it's coming legal states yeah at one point it was trans people like yeah but at one point it was illegal to get racially married at one point you know alcohol was prohibition yeah like you look at all of these things and now that we've accepted them as part of our society you have to understand that time period of society was wrong. The people that you keep, like, saying, like, oh, my God, like, this person, you know, is really old, so that's just how they were raised. They've had a lot of time to change and grow. They've seen society change in so many ways. And they are still in the mindset of when, uh, you know, like, there was a colored drinking fountain and, a, you know, a white drinking fountain. My own grandmother said to me, all black people are typical and then told me a story about like the help she had. And she thinks that I'm going to someday think the same thing about black people that she does. She lived in that society and that's still the thought that she carried with her to this day. I I would push back on that a little bit. And this is a crackpot theory. You want me to push my grandmother? (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming she's dead. No, she's alive. Oh, lucky you. I'm still pissed at her. 
racist. So bitch. this is a crackpot theory that I sort of just came up with, but. Great. As you push back on me, no. I'm, I feel very confident because, defending it. Because people just... are very stubborn and changing their ways, and it's hard for it can be hard for old. Like they should change their ways. Yeah. But, so you know, as you get older, each second is less of your life. Yeah. Up to that point, that's, I, that's how time works. Yes. Yeah. Well, flat circle. So what I'm wondering is if part of the reason that for older people it's harder to change their views is because the views were ingrained when everything they're experiencing was like a much bigger part of their life. Yeah. And so when you get to 50 years old and times have changed, each second is such, or each minute or each conversation that you have is such a smaller part of your life than everything that came before that, especially in your formative years, that it like doesn't make as big of an impression. And that is why it's harder. I'm no... I'm not putting this forward as something that's actually true. I'm just wondering if it could be true. Yeah, and I, I guess I can also see, you know, if you're like 80 years old and you think about all the change you've seen in your life and all the, like, the little things that didn't matter and all the big things that did matter, once you get to 80, it's kind of like, you know, I, I'm just here to, you know, just be here yeah. and, and, like, enjoy my grandkids. It's like, no, not to knock 80. I know there are still 80-year-olds that are still, like, out there ambitious doing things but those are still you know the the rarest of the cases a lot of they just like i don't know if i was 80 i would probably be thinking yeah i could die any minute like yeah i'm not gonna put any effort into like learning anything new (laughs) you know like if if you live through like the civil rights era like someone now tells you you can't say someone's a little light in their loafers as an insult anymore you yeah might just be like that seems like such small potatoes i'm not even gonna worry about it yeah and i just i realize this look society every society they do the study like there's a joker in every society no it's not what i was gonna say it's one of the seven myths, every generation flood. is getting smarter per iq despite the fact that people are like i think i heard recently that that's actually not the case the last couple generations okay so maybe we missed a couple because we're dumbasses but as a society we've definitely moved a lot longer ahead than like when the fucking settlers were here and probably couldn't do simple math and we're like looking up to these like fucking you know great presidents who are probably like dipshits that would fail high school um but the point being we do move in some like way towards we understand more information and the internet days you know we're gonna keep getting more information and that kind of segues to another thing we want to talk about a little bit but like it's just i think you know we're waiting for all those people to die we make those jokes like oh that's that but our generation we're the millennials we're the ones getting blamed i'm not so sure we're gonna blame the next generation because we've been ingrained in like hey that's not fair but every single one of us in a hundred years is going to look like a piece of shit. Yeah. I in think somewhere or another. And then 200 years, we're going to look worse. And like, I think every, every jump, you know, people are going to realize more things of like, Oh yeah, you were never supposed to like, I fully believe. And I, I fully believe someday this society will be all like all vegan. Like they'll figure it out. They'll get all like the, like tastes right. And it'll be all vegan. And everybody's going to be like, how the fuck could those people murder animals who are friends? Yeah. And we're going to, like, all be monsters. But at the end of the day, I I tried to go pescatarian. I last about a month. Like, that's that's really just, like, the moral of the story here. So, like... <laughs> but, like, one of, the th- one of the things that I think 
um, might happen that people look back on us and are like, why the fuck did they do that? Is whenever, like, whenever people talk about legalizing weed, they talk about how uh, if you smoke weed, like, all you do is chill out and, like, watch Netflix or, like, play video games or whatever. Whereas, like, if you drink alcohol, you might, like, crash your car or, like, beat your wife. And I'm like, <laughs> buddy, like, I, I like alcohol. <laughs> like, please, please leave, please leave, like, yeah. please leave my drug of choice out of this. Yeah. But I do wonder if, like, in the future people look back and be like, people drank stuff that made you fat and violent yeah like alcohol, that was how they had fun alcohol is more likely to get like re like illegal than there to be like like fucking um like drugs like cocaine ever legalized or anything like they're gonna like move worse. like we were, i was talking about like <laughs> todd phillips and dave Chappelle, like punching out to try to push the limit and then they constrict a little bit like i wonder if when it constricts a little bit as far as um substances if, if alcohol might be the thing to go yeah and you know what comedy's always been like very cyclical and like what people like so stand-up might make a, a renaissance again of like reinvention and regeneration there's still a lot of great comedians out there and it sucks it's like it's just a weird part of the industry right now but I, I think the funny thing for me, though, is, like, you know, I'm talking to all these people about, you know, stand-up, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to them how I feel about it because it, it was a dream of mine. And they're like, well, why don't you just not watch that comedian then? And somebody even, like, replied to something today. It was like, oh, my God, like, people getting, like, stapled to chairs and being forced to listen to comedians, like, do stand-up. I'm like... Are you the biggest fucking idiot in the world? Like, if anything happens anywhere in the world that has any kind of significance or ripple effect, I will hear about it before I even get to work now. Right. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but what it reminded me of was my negative thoughts about the Tyler, the creator tweet from years and years ago, where he's just like, Ha 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 ha, how can you get cyberbullied? Ha 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 ha, how does that even happen? Ha ha, just log off the computer, ha ha ha. And I was like, the way that I think about that is that the way that people live their lives now, the internet is like completely integral to it. Yeah. Like, especially if you're in high school or whatever, where you're the most likely to get cyberbullied, like, you need the internet to do research and stuff like that. And yeah. more and more people's social lives um revolve around it like especially it, the younger generations i think and it does and so keep you it's, connected to people that you yeah you know, might not have an opportunity to see like it's useful where we talk a lot about the bad of the internet but it does bring people together yeah like i don't <laughs> i think that if i didn't view it as a net positive i wouldn't use it but i'm also like addicted to twitter so who's it's yeah really kind of hard to say that but me and bobby don't have this podcast today if it isn't for twitter because me and bobby never meet because it, we would have never been on twitter like right but what we're getting at between that guy saying oh i didn't know you were forced to watch this and tyler the creator being like Oh, how just log off how can you get cyberbullied is... which is another thing that i'm sure tyler the creator like now would be like oh whoops like yeah, but maybe. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't have any idea. <laughs> yeah. But the the internet being such an important part of people's lives, both socially and recreationally, um, 
this stuff is going to, you're going to come across this stuff. And so you're, you can't really be on Twitter and not know about these Dave Chappelle jokes. And especially if you're concerned with the way that we talk about and treat people and moving, trying to move that forward in a way that is sensitive to people, you, you can't talk about it without researching it and maybe watching some of it so that you can talk about it intelligently and come from an informed point of view. And oh. so when people say like, oh, why are people upset about this? It's like, well, they're not going out of their way to get mad. They're going out of their way to make an example of this and say, this is not how you should do it. Yeah. And I, I want to make a really, really, really like important point to me because this is like, I grew up very sensitive. I've obviously developed a thick skin that is, coded in self-deprecated comedy that just is constantly bringing me down. But um, sensitivity, I hear so much. You know, why is today's generation so sensitive? Like, you know, oh, people are so sensitive. Why is our reaction to people being sensitive to get angry at them? Like, that's just an upsetting part of society for me, is that we're like, man, this person's so sensitive fuck them, let's make it worse. Like, that's what it's, like, generally feels like the reaction is. It's like, it's like, oh, you know, I mean, how many times have we heard just from the, uh, the alt-right, they, they try to, like, protest shit, like, it's like, uh, people at Starbucks don't want guns or kind of sense of the idea of people having guns. All right, well, Starbucks won't let us have our guns. We're gonna go buy a bunch of Starbucks and throw it out, which, again, you like capitalism and yet you keep doing it so wrong. Um, you just keep giving money to a company that you said you're going to boycott. Uh, yeah. and, but you're like, your reaction to somebody else's sensitivity is just anger. And I get it. There are some people who might've been affected because they might've open carried into a Starbucks. I can't guarantee you the, though, that everybody got outraged about that is actually ever walked into a Starbucks with a gun. And I would not put a lot of money on that either. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's hard. Hard to talk about this stuff without thinking about our own stuff on our yeah, side. And we're biased. We like if we're we are we don't, we, we we, don't lie. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we we say uh, why is your instinct to get mad at someone that's sensitive and try to make it worse? But at the same time, and let me say we're right. So that is kind of what makes the difference. Yeah. <laughs> but like if someone gets like sensitive and offended about Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem like we, we make fun of them and try to make it worse so yeah and it's like that's exactly what i really kind of want to drive home is like we're all doing it but we just have to hope that we're on the right side of history yeah honestly. and i do go to sleep at night thinking i'm on the right side of history and you know like before he was canceled you know louis ck did make one last stand-up specially made netflix he made a very good point though is that like if you think abortion is, you know, um, fine, you just think abortion is fine. If you think it's, like, bad, you literally think people are murdering babies. Yeah. And not to give Louis C.K. credit for that, because I think people have drawn that dots before. Um, but, like, that's the point, is, like, there might be a day in society where we all agree that abortion is murdering babies, and everybody goes, oh my god, I can't believe people got abortions. I do not believe we will get to that day in society, but... I'll be dead by then and probably won't fucking care. So yeah. 
There was, I'm gonna fight for the things I care about and know are right. One of the controversial things in uh, Freakonomics was about that because it tied the legalization of abortion to a drop in murder and crime rates, and like in New York City, a lot of that was credited to new styles of policing and police crackdowns and stuff like that and they were like well maybe it's just people that were more likely to become criminals weren't born because they didn't have to be because yeah. mothers that were unequipped to raise kids and like provide this a nurturing home for them that the kids would then turn to crime maybe that is part of the reason that there's less crime now and they were like now if you think that abortion is murder or if you think that a, a child is even one percent of a kid then the number of murders that are prevented is far outweighed by the number of abortions yeah so uh, just pure numbers i mean yeah I, like I, but, I said i I, th- I think i'm right i'm sure everyone thinks they're right but i i do try to be conscious of these uh hypocrisies on both sides because I uh, have a cousin who's a libertarian, and I have to argue with him a lot, yeah. so it pays. <laughs> so, but that that line is, you know, a little bit, little bit like thinner in terms of how clear it is. One that's very clear is, to me, um, white supremacy is bad. Yeah, or uh, transphobia is bad. Yeah, but I, I just want to make the point with, um, you know, abortions. If you think abortions are bad and or you think whites are a superior race, um, do me a favor. Um, come to Philadelphia, if you're not already here. Um, go to any Center City Wawa and spend um, 10 minutes there. And some um, white trash lady who is has one kid it, to maybe two and is currently pregnant will be abusing that child literally in front of your eyes. That's and true. then that child will go on to be a serial killer. So if that's really all you need to know, of the time. <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm not kidding to say, though, that I go to work every single day. And like a lot of days I will stop in for like a Red Bull and I cannot I, I can't say it's 100 percent, but I cannot tell you how many of those days there was some white trash person in there that already had one kid, another on the way. It was just screaming in the kid's face or, like, pulling them by the arm in a way that's literally going to, like, dislocate their shoulder. Like, just some real fucked up shit that I had to see while trying to get a Red Bull because my eyes weren't fully open yet. So I'm hoping that it was just maybe a fever dream. But if you think white supremacy is the way to go, those people will prove you wrong. And if you think abortions are wrong, those kids are not having a good life and they are not going to be good adults. Yeah, um, I do have one more question before we go. I know we're going a little long, but I, I don't mind that. It's our podcast. Uh, actually, I have two more questions. The first was, did you know that Abraham Lincoln presented a plan to ship black people back to Africa after the Emancipation Proclamation? I vaguely remember hearing about that because I do know that like Lincoln didn't care about slaves as much as people think he did. And, like, no, his... I mean, every founding father is... Yeah, Basically, like... everyone that dies people put their own beliefs on them like yeah like the emancipation proclamation i know for a fact was like actually like a tactic yeah it was a political tactic yeah it was was, not it wasn't a humanitarian no it wasn't and we're like still i 
And that's another one of those things where, like, we talk about, like, drawing the line, like, anybody who owns slaves sucks. It's like, I still have to draw the line, but, like, Abe Lincoln's cool, even though he did it for the wrong reasons, because he did free the slaves, like... Yeah, you have to move the goalpost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't... That's... That's, that's question it's, one. <laughs> it's, it's not an awesome plan. Um, the second thing is, you mentioned being disappointed watching, or hearing about Chappelle's last special, where he, you said, instead of being funny and doing the set that you think he could have done... He chose to do this set where he's trying to make this point. Like, isn't that, even though the the points that he was making were bad, isn't it sort of admirable? Like, if if it was someone who was making their set a little bit less funny, but making a point that you agree with, like, wouldn't you have been like, I thought that was brave and good of them? Yeah, I, I think, so. Like, I definitely think that... You know, I, I really like comedians when they take different swings. One of my favorite stand-up specials, and I, I recommend it to everybody, is actually Neil Brennan. And it's funny enough that Neil Brennan is the co-writer of Half-Baked and Chappelle Show. So you know who Neil Brennan is if you know Dave Chappelle, whether you realize it or not. And he did a very special set where... Um, and he, he used to t- say the N-word is, is stand-up, and he, like, had an N-word pass, like he said. Like, he's like, my friend said it, and he's like, he's like, I talked to this other black guy, and I accidentally said it. And then the guy's like, who the fuck said you could say that? And then he said the name, and the guy's like, oh, man, I love it, man. <laughs> like, that was funny. But now, like, Neil Brennan, I think, is even acknowledged. Like, no, I can't say the N-word anymore. Like, it's there's no pass. Yeah. Like, I I'm, I was dumb. Like, I learned more stuff. But he does this stand-up special called Three Mics. And what he does is he does jokes that are just, like, one-liners. He does jokes that are just, like, joke jokes. And then he does emotional stuff. And it's one of my favorite stand-up specials ever. I loved when Chris Gether did Career Suicide. And he, you know, talked about, you know, very serious times of his life that was deep into mental health. And I love when Hannibal Burris goes to fucking Edinburgh and does, like, you know, the the festival. I, I watched that documentary and, like, some of the nights he was just doing jokes and other nights he's like, I don't fucking feel like doing this. Like, why don't you guys, like, tell some jokes? What, what do you want to hear? Like, but he does, you know, he, he pushes the limits, too, and he does funny things. And Eric Andre is just, like, his own... You know, the same four people I keep bringing up, but Dave Chappelle is supposed to be the guy. And, you know, even though Louis C.K. was my favorite and I thought he was like the model of like how comedy was moving and how people were supposed to write jokes. When Dave Chappelle came back and he started doing comedy, it reminded me that Dave Chappelle was the smartest and is the smartest comedian ever. He knew exactly what he was doing when he went on that stage. And he made his point. And to your point, yeah, maybe if I was agreeing with him, like, I would have been like, yeah, he he approached it in such a different way. And this is such a cool set. And that's why I love it. But when I get a comment from a white guy that says, wow, I can't believe he did that Asian accent. That's so cool. I never thought I'd hear that again. There's enough of me that says, Dave. You could have written anything else. Yeah. You made your point and you're just, you're moving backwards. And that's just what it is. He's moving yeah. backwards if he does that. I, what I would compare it to is when uh, approaching the MLB trade deadline, 
there was talks that um, this guy, Trevor Bauer, who was good for like one year and is like not really that good, but people thought he was really good. Fuck him. Um, there's talks that he was available and the Phillies needed pitching. He's a pitcher. And people were saying, oh, go get him. And me and you and all of our friends were like, no, we hate that guy. We don't want him. And it's because he's like a fucking dipshit. Like, Harass the woman online. Harass women. Like, like, too sensitive. Weirdo politically. Like, yeah. And people were saying, well, if he can help make the playoffs, like, I don't care. Bring him on. And I understand that point of view. But the way that I look at it as part of the joy of being a fan is connecting with the players on the field. Like, obviously, they don't know who the fuck you are, and a lot of times they don't give a fuck about you. But finding reasons, finding little things to enjoy about the guys on the field and, like, rooting for them, wanting them to do well. Yeah. And if I have to root for this guy to do well, I don't want to do it. Like, I'd, I'd, I, would, I would rather lose a couple more games than have to root for success for Trevor Bauer. And I feel the same way about Antonio Brown with the Eagles right now. And I mean, that's, that's my approach to it. I, again, like I said, I understand the other point of view. Like I, I'm not a both sides ism guy. You may be surprised to hear that if you don't know me and you hear some of the arguments I've been making on this particular podcast. Um, but I do at least try to understand where other people are coming from. Yeah. And I think for me, like I would take, you know, a lesser quality NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL games in general if we just got rid of all the shitheads. But, like, for me, Antonio Brown freaking out about a helmet, I drafted him in the third round of my fantasy draft. I was like, I'm not worried about Antonio Brown freaking out about a helmet. I love Antonio Brown. He's one of my favorite receivers. Like, he's going to have a big year, new team. Like, And then what happened? And then reports came out that he's a rapist. I cut him right away. Nobody in our league has picked him up. Obviously, now he doesn't have really any value because he's not technically on a team. But, like, he was on the Patriots for a week, and nobody in our league picked him up. And, like, that was one of those moments where I was like, you know, I'm not really making a statement. But I'm really glad that all my friends were like, yeah, we're not going to fucking take that guy. And it's it's stupid because it's, it's fantasy football. Like, yeah, I could take Kareem Hunt when he, like, comes off suspension, and now I've got some running back depth. But at the yeah. end of the day, like... Just, I don't want to feel like any part of my life is influenced by Antonio Brown because I know Antonio Brown is a bad person. I could win money in this league, and I wouldn't feel good about it because it somehow is connected to Antonio Brown. Yeah. What we're getting at is that for us, and again, this is for us, not necessarily for other people, but we would we would rather like the results of whatever content we're watching not quite be as good and be comfortable with sort of the process behind it and knowing that it is not abusive or offensive to other people yeah and like making their like the existence of it and its success affecting their quality of life in any way yeah and we can always have discussions and we can always make progress but you know at the end of the day like if the NFL is going to continue to suspend people who, you know, cause clear abuse to their, you know, wives, girlfriends, children, and suspend them for less than life, you know, until that moment comes, I'm just not going to feel good about it because 
you know, I get it. Those people work really hard to become some of the best athletes in the world, and they're really great at what they do. But at the end of the day, it makes me, like, feel, like, shitty that, you know, the bad person didn't have to feel any consequences regardless of what they did. Just because, and it's not, like, a jealousy thing of, like, oh, my God, they're above the law. It's, like, it just doesn't feel right to me when justice isn't served. It's not jealousy that they're above the law. It's, like, anger that they're... Yeah, like, it's just, like, it's, like, when, like, you, like, why do we taught everything about striving for equality and justice if everything we're doing is just like so personal and against it like we're like no but not that quality and justice because i care about this thing yeah so i think that's a good place to wrap up i mean honestly bobby and i have a lot of feelings on this we could probably go all night but you get the gist of where (laughs) we're at i think uh bobby what do you want to plug this week got anything special coming out or just want to um Tell us what tell us what you're working on. Uh, I didn't write anything this week, which is good job. Writing stuff was the catalyst of <laughs> what we were talk, talking about. That eventually ended up the neuroticus social justice episode. Yes, but um, Sixers training camp started, so um, I'll be writing as I've said before at the fifth quarter uh, about the Sixers all season. So expect to see some more output from me on that. Um, class is boring. Who knows if something happens, I'll write about it. If not, whatever. What about you, Cody? What do you got to plug? Uh, I want to plug the tickets I listed on StubHub today for the Sixers Tuesday uh, preseason game versus some basketball team from China. Um, I have nothing against the basketball team from China. I just don't want to fucking go to a basketball game that's in the preseason on a Tuesday. As I mentioned, I fucking hate Tuesdays. Um, I do want to keep plugging my Twitch, uh, because none of you fuckers watched, uh, last night. Um, but I've been playing Destiny 2, Overwatch, but getting a lot more into GTA 5, playing the online there. And, uh, you know, obviously you can always follow me, uh, at CodeRan, and I'll just, um, you know, tweet out nonsense from here to there. And of course, obviously, you'll want to follow the podcast at Neurotica the Pod. Joker, come on, Neurotica. The Joker is coming on. I can't. I can't wait for me and Bobby to watch the Joker together. Everyone, please tweet at Hoodie Allen. Come on, Neurotica. I really <laughs> want to talk to him. That seems like a weird segue, but okay. Yeah. So everybody, get Hoodie Allen on in the Joker. Yeah. Or Hoodie Allen dresses the Joker. I don't really care. I want to talk to Hoodie. I know you want to talk to Hoodie. All right. Booby to Hoodie. We're going to make it happen out in L.A. when we get enough money for Bobby to fly out to L.A. to meet Hoodie Allen. Really excited about that. Thanks for listening, Erotica. We've had a great time. What do you want to say, Bobby? You look like you got something to say. Just bye. I thought you were going to say fuck L.A. Anyway, (laughs) bye. Hockey. 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 It's the Pigeon Coop. It's a podcast. About hockey, 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 hockey. <laughs> <laughs>